episode 374, Moon Knight, season one, episode five and six, Asylum and Gods and Monsters. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Samantha. Hello. How are you doing, Samantha? I am doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. We intended to have Stuart here with us, but we realized that we were going to talk about Doctor Strange and then Stuart couldn't come and be with us tonight, and we'd rather have him join us for Doctor Strange rather than this, and so we are recording about Moon Knight tonight instead of Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange moved later this week when we would be talking about the last two episodes of Moon Knight. So Stuart will be with us, hopefully, for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and he has a hot take on it. Oh, but yes. I'm not gonna... <laughs> okay, not really. Well, maybe he does. I don't know. But what I was referring to isn't really a hot take, but we'll talk about what we get there. We've all seen it. I've seen it twice now, and... I really, really want to talk about it because there are some huge talking points. Huge. Oh, yes. And if you have not seen it yet, you'll want to see it. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, I don't know how you've managed to stay away from spoilers. But some of the article titles I've seen have definitely referred to an article that was going to have spoilers in it, but did not directly reference the spoiler. So that's good. Good. Man. Yeah, my seven word movie review included the phrase big, but not too big. So that's it was a it was a fun movie. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And I said more than I intended to already. So let's stop. Stop me, Samantha. Stop. Okay. (laughs) All right. Although uh, last time um, before Stuart saw it and we were talking about it on our thread and you said some like pretty abrupt uh messages and and memes just telling me to shut up and i wasn't even (laughs) like saying much but it was yeah i was like surprised by how aggressive you got with your uh with your memory (laughs) i've come to realize that if we're not really careful and if we don't watch ourselves we will accidentally start having conversations that we should be having on the show which i actually did do but not for dr strange it was for star trek yeah, and this was after you had already posted your Estelle Getty shut up meme. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I, I was actually, mostly I just really love using that meme. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> so, I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> I accidentally sent something thinking that Stuart had seen the entire episode of Strange New Worlds, but he'd only seen like the first half or two thirds of it. And I sent him something that referred to something in the last 30 seconds. Mm. And I felt horrible. Although as far as spoilers go, it wasn't the worst thing in the world. It was just like a minor detail that didn't really 
change anything. It had nothing to do with the plot, but it was minor enough. Maybe we'll talk about it uh, when we talk about Doctor Strange with Stuart with us. But Okay, uh, if you could please let me know when those seasons are coming to a wrap and then... Well, Picard uh, came to a wrap last okay. Thursday, and okay. Strange New Worlds just began. And I'm not sure how many episodes they have. It might be 10. Okay, so... And so that was just episode one. So I, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I will say this, though. Anson Mount is in it, and he's Captain Pike, again, from season, I think, two of Discovery. And he was my favorite thing about that season of Discovery, for sure. And he is fantastic in Strange New Worlds. And he is relevant to our interest. He is also a, a Marvel alum with the Inhumans. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Moon Knight. Moon Knight, episode five and six. So episode five was called Asylum. And this is the backstory episode. This is where we get the details about Stephen and about Mark. And if you have not watched these two episodes, we are about to fully explore the plot. And so I'm just giving you quick spoiler warning right now. Our spoiler policy for Welcome to Level 7, you might have heard this many times before, or you might be hearing it for the first time. But if we've talked about it on the show, it's free game for us to talk about as we continue going forward with the show. But that does mean, like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we will not be talking about any specific details about that movie until we get to that episode. And we will not be talking about any specific details about Runaways season three. Is that what it is that we haven't talked season about yet? Season three, yeah. Season three, yeah, yeah. And later seasons of Netflix, which we, in the just before we started recording, we're talking about possibilities of how to get that done. But yeah. So we are going to be talking about Asylum and Gods and Monsters and spoiling them. I mean, we may, as we're talking about episode five, drop a spoiler from the final episode. I don't know. So it's not a spoiler now because I've warned you, right? Is that how it yeah, works? Yeah. And sure. I mean, <laughs> as soon as we finish talking about episode five, we will just jump right into episode six. So Right, right. It's a two for tonight. This is the backstory episode. This is episode takes place in two worlds, kind of three, uh, I guess. So it takes place in the world of the asylum. And it takes place in the underworld, the Egyptian underworld, and it takes place in flashback. So in the underworld, Mark and Steven find out that their scales are unbalanced. So Tawa, how do you say her name? Tawerit? Tawerit. Tawerit says they have to go back to the asylum and reconstruct their life reconstruct their memories. Mark thinks it's a bad idea because he remembers the memories. <laughs> and as they're looking through doors and through windows and they're exploring things, Mark is trying to keep Steven from seeing or remembering a specific memory from their life. So they go on a stroll down memory lane and it's bad. This is bad. Again, Mark doesn't want Steven to see this, but we get to see them as a child. And they are playing with their little brother and they're going to a cave and they're pretending to be Dr. Grant or the Tomb Buster or whatever it is. <laughs> and there's rain. It's heavy rain. The cave floods and Mark's brother drowns and Mark's mother blames him. 
So then we also see some birthdays. We see Mark leave to join the military because he can't stand life with his family right now. And then we also see later on after he was in the military when he got discharged because he went to a fugue state while he was on uh, in the military. He's now a mercenary working for a guy called the Bushman. And we also see Layla's dad's death, which happens when Mark, who is now a mercenary because he was discharged from the military after he went into a fugue stake, he's working for Bushmen and they raid a tomb and he's told to leave no survivors. And as Mark says, I couldn't live with that. I tried to get them all away, but we didn't make it clearly. And that's when Layla's father was killed and... You know, this is one of those situations, one of those sitcom situations where if you just would have told the truth quicker and earlier, uh, things would have been a lot easier for for people. But, but there's also more, and this is where we find how Stephen is an invention of Mark, and it comes from his mother's beating them. Mm. And uh, as, as Stephen says, or as Mark says, you're not meant to see that. That's the whole point of you is to be able to avoid the, the beating and the memories of the beating. And then uh, Stephen says, the point of me, what, to be your stress ball? All this time I thought I was the original, but I'm just something that you made up. In the meantime, on the boat in the underworld, there's dead things rising up. And that's bad because if you fall off the boat, you're, you're going to be frozen there forever in the desert sands. And Mark's fighting them. Stephen gains some courage and helps Mark fight them. There's a new spe- newfound respect between the two of them. But then Mark gets, th- or Stephen gets thrown over. And as soon as he's gone and frozen in the sands of the desert, the scales balance and Mark is in a field of gold. As you walk in fields of gold. <laughs> Which comes from, and I love Sting, but it comes from the best, best Sting album of all time. Ten Summoner's Tales. That's classic all-time favorite album, for sure. I will, I will fight anyone who disagrees with me. That's not true, I won't. Um, I do remember that song. <laughs> I, I, do, I do like Sting's work from that era. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that is our episode, Asylum. Asylum. I guess I didn't talk too much about the asylum, but. Well, I mean, I look at it as this. It's sort of like watching Legion where you're not exactly sure what's reality and what's just, I guess, the present and as unconsciousness or their unconsciousness. That was really confusing for me. Yeah. And I think it was meant to be confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you. You brought up Legion. That's the whole point of Legion: is what's real, what's not. And if if it's not, just because it's not real, doesn't mean it doesn't have consequences or effects. The underworld is sort of a construct because people can't really understand the reality of it. And it's even if it's not real, it's real enough to them yeah. that they exist in it and have to deal with things in it. And Tawara mentioned something that does affect the entire MCU in a way. She says that 
This is just one afterlife, and there are many intersectional planes of untethered unconsciousness exist, or where they exist. Yeah, and she, she mentions the ancestral plane. Yes, the ancestral from, plane from... From Wakanda. Yeah. The Wakanda, that's the Wakandan afterlife, or one of the perceptions of their death. So, yeah, it's... It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting, but it also makes sense, especially now that we know that there's a multiverse. So there's there's astral plane after astral plane after astral plane. I guess you can say stacked or collided on top of one another. Well, and this is also what happens when you have and and this is something I appreciate about DC and Marvel. They've done this kind of thing before, but where you have multiple mythologies that turn out to be reality. Yeah. So, yeah, these these Egyptian gods, they exist. I mean, are they gods in the same way that we know that the Norse gods exist, but they're, you know, a highly advanced civilization? And we know that, uh, well, we know that the Eternals inspired some of the legends of other mythologies. Yeah. But, yeah, we know that... There are mythologies that are not mythology. <laughs> they are real. And so how does that work into the whole just life living life as a, as a human and, and having beliefs and, and that kind of thing? And, you know, this is a fictional world where they can have aliens and gods and monsters and robots and wizards <laughs> and <laughs> all that stuff. And... Yeah, so how do you explain that then? Because you have to. If you're going to play with Egyptian mythology, then you have to explain why is this real and true? And does that mean that the other stuff is not? Or does it mean it's all real and true? And that's where you're kind of getting into this, what, what do they call it? The, this postmodern philosophy where it's all real, it's all true, it's all... Uh, but in the Marvel Universe, it's not just a postmodern thought where all roads lead to truth or whatever. It's they're all true. <laughs> they all exist at the same time. So and it's fun to, you know, see them, you know, build world build and and create these different things. And and it's also works well because you're trying to deal with a very diverse audience. And you want to sell to that diverse audience by showing different points of view. And the best way to deal with religions and, and belief systems is to just accept all of them. And to yeah, show well, them off in their very unique ways. And there's an easy way to do it in fiction. And and that is like we were talking about, you know, it's, it's all real, you yeah. know, and it's all it's all there. And yeah, so here you have the Egyptian mythology and here you have the scales and stuff, which I, I haven't had a chance to talk about this. The first time I ever saw anything that had anything to do with this mythology idea of the Egyptian scales and, and weighing your heart against the, the feather was uh, Sesame street. <laughs> it was a special Sesame street episode where they went to the museum and I looked it up and it's called don't eat the pictures that I didn't realize that it was called don't eat the pictures. But I remember watching this as a kid, it came out in 1983. I would have been nine years old. So it wasn't like I was super into Sesame street, but I think it was like a prime time episode uh, where it was one hour long and they go to the museum and uh, big bird gets lost. 
and I remember it being after hours and he gets lost. I think it had something to do with Snuffleupagus and he meets this uh, Egyptian uh, spirit called, uh, I don't remember the guy's name, but it was a boy. And this boy was worried about the afterlife and worried about his, his soul. And they're using the feather to weigh his heart. And yeah. And Big Bird helps him <laughs> to balance the scales. And then he goes into the, the Egyptian afterlife. And then I'm sure whatever happened next, it had something to do with uh, Big Bird finding Snuffleupagus or something like that. And I believe at that point, Snuffleupagus was still an imaginary friend that no one had seen yet. And that was one of those things where it was um, Snuffleupagus would visit Big Bird and then the adults would come, but Snuffleupagus had to leave. And so they didn't believe that Snuffy was a real thing. And then they actually did some episodes where some of the people started believing because they wanted uh, children to be able to trust that they could talk to adults about things and that adults wouldn't um, uh, not trust them. And and then eventually it was revealed to everyone that Big Bird's imaginary friend Snuffleupagus was real and everyone saw him. So Those were my two favorite characters when I was little. Big Bird and Stuffy? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, forget about Elmo. Elmo was around at the time, but, you know... To me, that, that was like my favorite part was anytime anything so, to do with those two. Elmo was around at that time, but he yeah. didn't have a character. I mean, I that's another thing I was kind of interested to see. In I was watching some old clips and I realized, wait a minute, that's Elmo dancing around there. He doesn't have a voice, but he's there. So I yeah. don't know because the earliest incarnation of Elmo actually had a very deep, gruff voice for a few episodes and then they decided to change it. To be well, as, more toddler-like? As a puppet, he was around at least around 1980 or 81. Yeah. And and just as a monster puppet who was dancing in the background for like a Cookie Monster number or something like that. Yeah. But, but anyway, that episode was a, a lot more intense than a, your typical Sesame Street episode. <laughs> and it had – it was – I remember it being very dramatic and very interesting that it was, you know, this young, dead – Egyptian pharaoh his soul was on the line so yeah but anyway that's what's happening with these two is their their heart is not filled and the and it's split there's two different hearts that they have there and they're represented by like a glass heart that needs to be filled up and again they just do a good job of representing the mythology as a reality yeah and I've act- I have been doing a little bit of research on Tawarit, and I don't think she's supposed to be steering that boat and weighing the hearts on the scales. I think she's taking over for Amit, because everything that I've been reading into about Tawarit, she's the goddess of women fertility, and children right? and fertility. Yeah. And I have, I mean, there are... Epitaphs such as the she who removes water and mistress of pure water, which makes sense if you're going to have a goddess of childbirth. However, I I have yet to read anything in the mythology about her involvement with the afterlife. So I th- I think in the context of the show, she's just she's taking has taken control of that position because Amit is out of commission because she wasn't doing her job before. 
Yeah, someone has to do his job. I mean, if he's yes. or, or she, I should say, Amit, we find out in the next episode is a female. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. But if Amit's not doing the job, someone's got to do it. Yes. So why not? Why not? And that's what happens. I mean, in this, this day of downsizing where <laughs> that's what happened to me for a long period of time just recently is uh, I lost part of my team. Uh, she went on to do another job and it was amicable. It was all good other than the fact that we needed to refill that position. And so that fell to me to, to do the job while, while we were looking for someone else. And yeah, Tara could be doing just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other thing we get in as far as religion goes is we find out that Mark is Jewish. Yep. And that he and I think they did a decent job um presenting it uh cuz it's getting into the um sitting sitting Shiva, is that what it's called, I Shiva, think? Shiva, yeah. And which is, you know, 7 days of mourning and he wants nothing to do with it because it's mom. And mom yeah. is dead, by the way. Well, <laughs> Stephen's been leaving messages for mom. That's interesting. You were the one who pointed out to me that he wasn't actually talking to mom in those first few episodes. He was leaving messages. Yeah. And now it makes sense that he's leaving messages because she can't answer. Yeah. I think that part of Stephen's existence is also to do a bit of wish fulfillment. And because Stephen and the person he perceives, to be his mother, have a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I believe Shiva is also, has a purpose for those that are still living, which is just to be together, to mourn together as a community. Yes. Or as a family. Yeah. Yeah. As a community, it's, it's definitely bigger than family. And, yeah. uh, but Mark wants nothing to do with it. Understandably. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark comes. He stands. He's he, almost ready to go in. He's wearing the the yarmulke. Um, he's looking up. He talks on the phone with with the dad, but he's not going to go up. And there's a. I found the scene very powerful when he is just so upset and he he's asking why and he takes off the yarmulke, puts it on the ground. He's kind of pounding it, and and then he picks it up and says he's sorry. You know, and it's one of those really, it's a Job-like moment or, or yeah. I mean, really anyone of faith is going to have moments like that where you're crying out and asking, you know, God, why? Why do you allow this to happen? Why do you, you know, whether it's something in current events or something in your family, but you're crying out why? And you're almost, and I know a lot of people who grow up in a religious family, they feel guilty when they question and, and uh, you know, when rea- in reality, at least in, in the reality as I understand it, God doesn't mind us questioning. God doesn't mind us saying why and talking to Him about things that we don't understand. There's a there's a big difference between you know cursing Him and and questioning and asking. You know, um, but back to Job, <laughs> where God says, "Well, you know, you're gonna have to just trust in my power and trust in my wisdom, and and trust that I love you because." That's the last few chapters of Job in a nutshell, but yeah, <laughs> um, but it's it's just very much uh, a part of of a life of faith is is trusting and that God does love and and here you have him like pick it up, say sorry, 
And I, you almost can't tell, is he saying he's sorry to his mom? Is he saying he's sorry to God? Is he saying he's sorry to himself even? Especially considering he has the, the multiple altars uh, within. But yeah, it was powerful, powerful moment. Uh, one that I really enjoyed watching in this show. Yeah. Again, you don't need a lot of special effects. You just need Oscar Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> he is the special effect. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because the first time I watched this episode, I did get a little misty-eyed over that scene. Because I think many of us who especially have grown up in religious homes, we do have those moments. And in my own faith, if when you have those moments, it's okay. And we accept those moments as like character-building sort of moments or, or trial moments to see, you know, which way are you going to go and what are your choices going to be? And uh, I heard a really great analogy about, you know, when they first created the first biodome, that it failed miserably and the trees collapsed. And when they looked at the trees, it's because the the trunks were very, very, and the limbs were very weak. And that's because they had no, no wind in the hmm. biodome. A perfect environment. Too perfect. Right. And so because there was no wind, they were not... There was no swaying back and forth, and it's that swaying back and forth motion that you get with wind that really strengthens a tree. So strengthening through, you know, troubles is a very important thing in in my faith. So that aside, yeah, that aside, <laughs> moving yeah. moving away from, I mean, aside from testimony corner. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing. This is the thing I appreciate about podcasting and the podcasts I listen to is that it is conversational, and these are things that if I was sitting down and having a conversation with you or with maybe some of our listeners, these are things that would come up in in natural conversation. I don't bring it up all the time yeah. because. You know, that's just not the way I have natural conversations. But <laughs> in this case, you know, there is a very spiritual element to this. And it gets yeah. even deeper in the next episode where you get into things, well, getting some really interesting things about the nature of evil and having the choice, free will, and all those kind of things. But let's finish what, talking about episode episode five. I think I've pretty much said everything that I, I have to say about it. But do you have anything, any other notes about episode five? Yeah, a couple things. First of all, so Randall, Mark's younger brother, or Roro, I think that's what his mother calls him. Was it Roro or Ray Ray? Ray Ray, something like that. I'm not sure, but yeah. So apparently Randall was the favorite child to their mother. And he dies, unfortunately. And that reminded me of the story of J.M. Barry's childhood. Where Jay and Barry also had a younger brother who passed away very early, I believe, from a disease. Like something communicable, like, I don't know, smallpox or something like that. And his mother, their mother grieved for years for this child. And Jay and Barry spent much of his life trying to make up for the fact that he was not the favorite child. And that may be why he was more of an un a kind of unusual as um in his relationships with people. Not good or not that it would have affected good or bad. It's just he he was just a different person. That's all. And the other thing, the 
one last thing note I have is that all Mark needed to hear his entire life came from Stephen, and that was he was just a kid, and his brother's death is not yes. his fault. Yeah. That's all he needed to hear from either of his parents or from a teacher or... or for, yeah, anyone a, else, really. Yeah, or, you know, and it's somebody just to say that. There's more power in it if it had come from his parents because, especially his mom, yeah. realizing just a kid. Uh, but then there's also a particular power coming from, from Stephen. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're they're the same person, but they're like brothers you know they're yeah he needed to hear it from someone important who had an opinion that carried weight and Stephen was definitely that yeah so again i mean Stephen is this manifestation of many things that mark wants so S- Stephen tells him it's okay it's not your fault Stephen has a good relationship with his mother so it's it's really interesting to watch. I don't know if that happens in real life with people who actually do have DID, but maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It might just depend on the case. But like as the drama a, as of a, a superhero story, sci-fi show needs yeah, as a story, like that, that's yeah. really compelling character stuff. Yeah. 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 So Okay, that's all I have. All right, let's talk about gods and monsters. The sixth and final episode of the season for sure but is this the final episode of the series fortunately for us if it is it gives us a good ending i'm gonna start there yeah we get a good ending except for one thing that i keep going back and forth because it works so well but it's so unsatisfying and that is the climax of this episode (laughs) we'll get there when we get there but we find out that Mark slash Steven dead, dead in the real world. And Haro has what he needs. He has the, was it the Duat? Is that what they call it? I can't remember. Uh, the little statue. I think they the call it the Duat, but I might be wrong. Ushabti? That's it. Yeah. So he's got the little statue thing <laughs> and he's got what he needs. They go on on their way. Tauret needs help bringing Mark back to life and bringing Kanchu back and so she's trying to talk to Layla. She actually suggests that maybe Layla could be her avatar, but they need to bring Mark back. They need to bring Kanchu back. Meanwhile, everyone's bringing things back. Haro brings Amit back into the world. And this is where we can get into some pretty interesting, meaty conversations. Haro is not worthy of being the avatar of Amit because Haro's own scales are not balanced and he helped or he hoped rather his penance might achieve balance in other words though he can work for his salvation but no one else can like he if he were to do the the scales balance thing he'd be punished right then and there just like everyone else but yeah but he's hoping his actions will be penance Amit said that no matter what, or that that's what I understand is no matter what, he was still damned for a better word, for lack of right. a better word. Because Amit said that, but he was hoping, so he's doing this to other people while he's hoping that it won't happen to him. Yeah. 
And then Amit comes and tells him, well, no. But then <laughs> uh, we find out that perfect that uh, Amit used to have an avatar who had perfectly balanced scales. Who was her last avatar, if you recall? And what happened? She got placed in the, the prison statue, mm-hmm. which becomes this judgment on Amit. The person who has perfectly balanced scales is the downfall of this God, for lack of a better word. And so now the God needs someone who doesn't have perfect scales. So it doesn't happen again. Like this is judgment on Amit right there. And just, you know, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on in this show with different characters, but here you have these, you have Harrow and you have Amit who want to punish the evildoer before the evildoer has a chance to do the evil. And by their own scale, that's how they're going to be judged. And and that's going back to the scripture, you know, by, by the, the measure that you measure, you will be judged and they're being judged by that measure and they don't notice or don't care because, <laughs> you know, they're going to keep on keeping on. So, so I, you were, you were on the, the freedom of choice thing. I went down the road of what happened with her last avatar. And if you remember from now two episodes ago, we learned her last avatar was Alexander the Great, who he died at the age of 25 as what emperor of like half was, of Western. He was the so- last one? Yeah, he was the last one. Remember, because her Upshapti was shoved down his throat. Yeah, I don't remember them talking about that he was actually an avatar for her, though. Just that this was where it was hidden, was in this tomb that was No, it was clearly, it was not stated, but it was pointed to that direction because Stephen deduced that because he was in the tomb of of Alexander the Great, and if you recall, there there was a multi-tunnel system that was in the shape of the Eye of Ra, I believe, or Osiris. And one of those directions on that eye pointed towards a mouth or a tongue, which would also be symbolic of an avatar. And he went down that path and he found the tomb of Alexander the Great. And so it pointed towards Alexander the Great being her last avatar. Well, I would have a hard time believing that Alexander the Great had perfectly balanced scales. But Me too. <laughs> it's... Yeah. I I just don't think that's her last avatar. Maybe it was one of her avatars, but I don't know. Yeah, but I'm just curious if that's not her last avatar, how else did that Upshati get down his throat and his mummy? Well, it could have been anything. Yeah. I mean, it it could have been later on. That's just where they chose to hide it because it was a lost tomb. That's what I assumed was this was a lost tomb and it was something that, you know, no one was going to find so they could hide it there very easily and no one would find it but no matter what it was a good place to hide it yeah i i, I urge you to go back and rewatch the scenes where he's trying to figure out the tunnel system where he draws the eye in the sand and then fast forward to the scene where he stumbles upon the chamber and then he's trying to figure out where could the upshopti be because he he does go down this path of this is alexander the great where would this upshopti be hidden in here he was her avatar. It's down his throat. And then that's the scene where he 
shoves his hand down the yeah, yeah. mummy's <laughs> mouth, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if you think about it, if he was, I'm not going to say whether or not Alexander the Great's scales were balanced. That's not my place. But if you think about what he accomplished in his life, he conquered many nations just within a few years of his life. Because he died at 25. Was he the one who wept because there was nothing left to conquer? Um, I think it was Alexander. I think, I might no, be that wrong. was Hannibal, I think. Hannibal, you're right. Yep, yep. I think I've actually made that mistake on this podcast before. <laughs> a few weeks ago. I don't know. But... I think it was, it was a few weeks ago. And because I think he wanted to conquer more, but he died at 25. I think Hannibal was much older. But when we saw Harrow judging people en masse and people were dying very, very quickly, if I were trying to conquer nations and I was using the power of Amit, I would be able to accomplish that extremely quickly to dominate. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I think we see from Harrow what what Alexander the Great was doing. Or at least what he's capable of doing. Because there's – and and this is – where at the end of the episode, we actually see even more of that, where they're, they're just, that's what Amit wants is that kind of purification. Just go through and they send everyone out, go purify. I think it's Carl that they're pur- purifying first, but, yeah. um, but before they get to that, Layla brings Kanchu back into the world by smashing the statue prison thing. And he can't sense Mark. He suggests Layla because <laughs> he, he needs an avatar. She's totally really not into that at all. But then this is where, yeah, so we've got Kanchu coming back, Amit coming back. We've got then can Mark come back. And this is where there's some things in the order that they happen in. I was kind of confused by it because Tarwet is telling, telling Layla, we need to bring Mark back. But then Tarwet is telling Mark and, and Tarwet says, uh, Mark is, is Mark sent me. Mark wants you to to help. But then we go back and Mark is in the fields of gold and he's walked in fields of gold. <laughs> and Tara is saying you can you should stay here. You you can stay here now. You're balanced. And I can't tell if she's trying to convince him not to stay by telling him to stay or if this is something that's inconsistent and I and I'm not sure just how to how to read this. But she's telling him, you've got the peace you've always wanted. You've manifested it in this way. And and then he's like, but no, Stephen needs me. And she says, but you don't need him. And then he decides to go back and goes back to, to Mark. But it just it felt a little disjointed and out of order. I don't know. Yeah. And there's something later on that, that feels disjointed and out of order as well. Maybe but, the only way he could get out of there was if it was his choice. Maybe that's the only way. I wish they, yeah, I wish they had clarified that a little bit more because I was rewatching that before we started recording tonight, and I was like, "Wait, hold on, I'm a little confused." But yeah. But here's what I'm not confused about. What? <laughs> immediately he's back in the desert sands, and immediately he's there with Stephen, and he gives this brilliant speech, and this is one of the best lines of the whole thing. You were the only real superpower I ever had. Oh. And 
yeah, think about it. The superpowers he has from Kanchu are one thing, but he created this superpower. He created Steven to be what he needed in order to fight what he needed to fight and take care of what he needed to take care of. And they clasp hands and Steven becomes unfrozen and Tarouette comes at the last minute to save them from this sandstorm is coming and and then Mark comes back to life. Yeah. And it's 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 we're at the beginning of our climax. The beginning of the battle. Actually the beginning of the battle came just before that. Kanchu and Amit were fighting. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kanchu leaves when he senses Mark, and this is you know, Amit's chance to like let's let's keep our plan going. <laughs> let's keep moving. Let's try to take over the world. You know what that scene reminds me of? Where he says, you're my superpower? It involves another Steve. And what's that? Captain America. Where a skinny Steve jumps on the dummy grenade thinking it's live. And then you realize, oh, there's the superhero we need. He may be weigh about 90 pounds, but he has the heart of a superhero. Yeah. 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 So Mark comes back to life. Kanchu brings him back with another oath, like the first time he almost died. And Moon Knight is reborn out of the water. But before the fight, there's got to be a little bit of talky-talky with Kanchu. So they have some talky-talky time. And Stephen bargains. And Kanchu's like, no, we shouldn't do this. We got business to do. And like, no, we got to do this. And yeah, so they they bargain. And the bargain is, this is it. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> and then they go. They fly in the night sky. And there's this awesome, awesome image of them flying up with the moon in the background. And it's it's almost better, almost than better than the bat wing in the moon. <laughs> Partially because... It makes sense. Like the bat wing and the moon from Batman 1989 makes zero sense. Why did he have to fly straight up into the air? Frame it with the moon so he could just drop out of the sky. Basically, he flies up, stalls out, and then drops back toward the... It just doesn't make any sense. See, I why. watched that movie recently. I think there was... I think in the story he may have had some mechanical issues and he was flying up but the the real the reality is is that tim burton just wanted to get that shot of the bat wing in front of the moon oh and so, it's a great shot yeah it is it's classic. a great shot and they it's used it on classic. some of the promotional materials stuff like that yeah but, they, they wanted it for promotional reasons so yeah yeah but this one makes sense because he's just flying in front of the moon you know in the same way that et and elliot when they fly in front of the moon they're just flying in front of the moon because the moon's there and it's in their path. They're not stopping in front of the moon <laughs> to, <laughs> to pose dramatically. They're just going in front of the moon. Again, super, super amazing, beautiful shot that has stuck with me since I was a child. Yeah. Coming back to Moon Knight, you know that kind of like cone shape that he was creating with his wings in order to fly? Mm -hmm. That's actually related to... A shape of an air, a paper airplane that you can make, and it flies farther, faster, <laughs> huh. and and uh, I almost quoted Captain Marvel there. Yeah, yeah, you were on your way. Yeah, 
And it's it's much more accurate um, than your traditional paper airplane. It's basically like this, like a, a cylinder. And a kind of a tapered cylinder. Yeah, it's a tapered cylinder, yeah. and it it works better than your traditional airplane, so or paper airplane. So that's why he was in that shape because it it flies faster. So let's talk about someone else who flies. Yes, and flies faster and looks Layla. fabulous. Yeah, Layla learns <laughs> that Amit has to get stopped by being imprisoned in a mortal form, and also realizes they need help. They need power. So she does become Taurette's temporary, emphasis on the temporary avatar, but she also becomes an Egyptian superhero and and gets asked about it. And I don't know if that would be the first question out of my mouth if uh, if I saw a superhero and they just saved me from certain death, but in this it makes for universe? a good moment. It's a nice moment. Yeah, but in this universe, you know, su- superheroes are a thing. And most superheroes are from the United States and this universe, or so it seems. And so for this Egyptian girl to see a woman fighting with superpowers, that's a huge deal. I love that moment. But the adrenaline of being flown out of the way of a vehicle and then, yeah. Yeah. I I just feel like the first thing out of my mouth would be like, Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I almost died, <laughs> and, or something like that. I, I I just I don't think I'd be as composed as she is. So. No, no. Yeah, yeah. It is a nice moment, and it's a fun moment. And Layla has the best. I'm going to say it right now: the best pose without being a poser. Like she has so many moments where she gets to pose because of the way those wings work. Yeah, and it's. It's an action pose, but it's natural when she's standing there and just does her wings the first time. And it, oh man, yeah. like it's a great, great image, you know, <laughs> and iconic image for superheroes and so much less of a poser than Black Widow. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I was watching this and I was like, okay, she and Wonder Woman would get along so well. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of similarities between her and Wonder Woman for sure. A lot of differences too, but a lot of similarities. And I was also watching her action sequences and choreography and I was like, does she have to be a temporary avatar? Because I'm really digging Layla as Tawarit's avatar. So cool. If we come back to Moon Knight and there's another season of Moon Knight, she will, I would place money on it almost be an avatar again. She will have the suit. She will be this superhero again. But if we never have another season of Moon Knight, then they just created the best possible explanation for why Moon Knight and Layla don't show up when there's a huge, big disaster or something. And that's because they don't have the power anymore. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of, kind of, sort of for Stephen and Mark. Right, right. Yeah. We'll get to that later. So then we have the big end battle. And you have a kaiju battle, basically, between Amit and Khonshu. <laughs> it is 
I love it. It's yeah. not quite Godzilla size, but almost. And they fight with size and weight. And they're, yeah, the, the slow motion of their long, giant limbs. It just, it's so cool. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> you also get a really cool superpower battle between Layla and Moon Knight and Haro. And then everyone's getting judged. And oh, by the giving way, giving Amit more power. Okay, so Moon Knight gets a really, or Mark gets a really cool costume. Mark and Steven. Layla gets a really cool costume. You know who doesn't get a really cool costume? Harrow. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve, deserve a new costume. <laughs> he just gets a stick that judges. But it's people. a cool stick. That's pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. But he doesn't get a costume. He's not cool enough for one. No, no, no he's not balanced enough for no. one. I don't. Know. <laughs> So the other part of the battle that's going on is there's a philosophical battle going on between Kanshu and Amit. As they're fighting and punching each other, uh, you know, Kanshu's basic thesis is I only punish those who have chosen evil. And then Amit's thesis is me too, but I don't give them the satisfaction of committing it. And... They fight each other, and as they fight, we have the fight going on with Haro and Layla and Moon Knight. And Layla and Moon Knight work together, but Layla has to go and rescue that little girl we were talking about earlier. Moon Knight and Haro, it's not looking good for Moon Knight. Cut to black. Back to scene. Battle is done. That's it. And Moon Knight won. How? Kind of a, you know, buzzkill at the end there. It is kind of. This is what I was talking about earlier when I said I was going back and forth. Because on one hand, it makes sense based on some of the things that they are teasing. And they've done it before. On the other hand, we miss out on the climactic battle. How does he get out of that? And I'm a little bit frustrated because it doesn't give the win to Stephen and Mark. Now, we're going to get some more stuff later that's more important. The character stuff is more important in what they do with Haro. But what happened? Well, it's that third altar that we've been talking about that we haven't met yet. And we will meet in just a moment. But it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things where if I feel like something's missing. It's a little unsatisfying. But then you think about it. Actually, it's kind of cool. <laughs> And I have a theory. I have a theory. If we get a season two, hopefully we'll find this out. The reason why we didn't get flashbacks to the fish being killed is because the fish didn't die in the care of Mark. The fish died in the care of the third altar. Who does not seem to be very nice. No. He doesn't care about a fish. Nope. Now he's got to keep his presence secret. And so he still had to go and buy another fish. And the other thing is, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Actually, I, I need to make sure that I'm right about this. But um, when at the end there, when they're together living in their mess together, there's two fish in the tank. Yep. There were two fish, two happy little fish. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't matter, you know? Maybe it doesn't matter who killed the fish, but <laughs> my prediction, 
it's Jake who killed the fish. And I don't think he killed the fish on purpose. He just didn't care about the fish or care for the fish. And so the fish died. And then to keep his conchus, like you got to keep your presence a secret, dude. So let's go to the pet store and buy another fish and all goldfish look alike. Right. Jake doesn't know enough about the fish to know that there's, it's missing a fin. No, he argued with the, uh, the lady who worked in the shop. He was looking for a fish with one fin. Jake? Yeah, because she's she told Stephen oh. that I argued that all the fish had two fins. They only didn't have one that was missing a fin or had a small fin. Wow. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think it was Jake. We'll find out. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe not. But it's pretty much not super important. But at the same time, it's a detail. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> So beyond that, they go back to the uh, the pyramid, and they they bind Amit to Haro, and Amit says, as Amit is being bound to a mortal person, "You can never contain me. I'll never stop." And Kanchu tells them to kill Haro, and they won't because Mark has a choice and says, you want them dead, do it yourself. You want them dead, do it yourself. And then they say, you're going to let us go now. You're going to release us. And so Kanchu releases them, quote unquote release, maybe. And we're back in the asylum. And this is where, again, it's a little bit odd. I don't know why we go back to the asylum after everything's all done. Because it feels like this maybe should have happened a little bit earlier. I don't know. But Haro is confused. What's going on? He's looking all Ned Flandersy, and we didn't even talk about that joke. But um, <laughs> and Haro is confused that his feet are bleeding, and he's confused that um, he, he why is he there and what's he feeling and all that stuff. But um, then they wake up. They're in their room and they're conversing back and forth. And we end as we began with, I believe, the dulcet tones of Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> then we move to the post-credit. And post-credit, there's a Spanish song playing in a hospital, an institution. It's the same song that was playing in the Fields of Gold in the previous episode. And we see Haro. And he's taken by someone who speaks Spanish. And the song is Spanish as well. And then he's taken in a wheelchair past some dead orderlies. And then he's taken out of the wheelchair and put into a limo. And in the limo, Kanchu is sitting in the back of the limo with, with him. And Haro says, ha ha, you can't kill me. Ha ha. And then Kanchu knocks on the window. The window comes down. The driver is... Mark slash Steven, but his real name is Jake. Jake pulls a gun. Jake kills Haro. And we realize there was a third all along. No surprise. They set it up pretty well. But Jake's yeah. not a guy I want to hang around. I would I will tolerate Mark. I would love to hang out with Steven. Jake can go on vacation for all I care. 
I don't like yeah, him. Jake is the, we assume, the one from, at least I assume, the one from the standing um, sarcophagus and the one who showed up and killed people in earlier episodes and the one who defeated Haro in the final battle mm. here. So if there is another episode, and I kind of predicted this, this is one of the things I did predict and actually got right, <laughs> that we would find out there is another and that we would find that out at the end of the season. I thought it was going to happen a little earlier the way they were kind of presenting things, but we'd find out at the end of the season and that that'd be a setup for, for season two potentially. So I'll take credit for that one. I hope they renew the show. Well, there's lots of talk about the semantics of them calling this an event. And when they, when they applied for, I can't remember if it was Emmys or what it was, but they applied not for this as a season one of a series, but as an event or limited series. So based on one tweet that was corrected, there's a lot of talk about the semantics of what did that mean? And they, they also said the same thing about captain or not captain America, uh, Falcon and winter soldier. And meanwhile, Loki, they're calling season one instead of calling it an event. So, but really, I mean, we got two movies length out of Moon Knight here. I mean, this is we got we got a good run with him. Do I want more? Yes. And I think that's probably the best review you can give to something. Do I want more? Yes. Are we going to get more? We'll find out. And if we don't, I like the sending. Yeah, that controversy about the Emmys and where to place it. I'm like, so you're really going to categorize one show based on a tweet. Not anything official from the network or or the production company. A tweet. Which an intern writes. Or or a social media person writes. Someone yeah, way yeah. down the li- the ladder. Yeah, so that's that's my problem with that. That whole thing. But I have seen... News articles about Moon Knight in um, major news feeds, not just the the like variety Hollywood reporter type news feeds, like like main uh, three letter network feeds. So, <laughs> I've seen interview with uh, Oscar Isaac, and he said that there are no plans for season two right now. But he would love to do season two and wants to do season two. So whatever that means. But again, there's so much on Marvel's slate. And we'll talk about it a little bit after after the, the credits. But there's so much on Marvel's slate that how do you fit so many some of these things in? There's, there's so much that they're doing and so much they want to do. And you employ a lot of people. Yeah, but there's there's saturation. There's a saturation point, yeah. you know. And although I find it interesting that the CW never really considered that they had reached the saturation point for years and basically the CW was DC TV. You know, there was just Yeah. half of their programming, primetime programming time went to DC shows. So what is saturation point? I don't know, but you do have to be careful because there comes a point where you're putting out so much 
that your the money stops coming in quite as much because people aren't doing it all. And it's very easy to not do it all when there's so much. Yeah. So we shall see, though, what, what happens. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, because I remember when Star Wars was mainly, uh, there was the three movies that was, that was mo- known to most people. Just the three movies. And those were very special things when they came on TV. Very special. My family would always sit down and watch it when it came on TV. And then I think it was 1997 that they were re-released into the theater with some updates, which we thought were cool. And Mm -hmm. then... Special editions. The special editions. And then all of a sudden we're doing the prequels and then... Uh, episode seven, eight, nine, and there's these like sort of one shot movies and TV series, and all of a sudden, Star Wars doesn't feel as special as it used to be. So I kind of miss those days where just being able to see it like eight o'clock on a Sunday night was this huge event for the whole family, and it just doesn't feel quite that way anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's not just Star Wars, it's everything. Yeah. Like every everything is they're trying to be Marvel. They're trying to be the MCU. And so, you know, Star Trek, it's happening with Star Trek where they just have so many shows being churned out. And it just it doesn't feel as special anymore. Now, Strange New Worlds, don't get me wrong, that felt really special. That was really good. Picard, I have trouble with because it just wasn't written very well. And I had a lot of issues with plot holes that, or, or plot problems. But, um, but the same thing happened with Star Trek, though, where it was Star Trek and then Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and they were running concurrently. And you had Voyager and Deep Space Nine for a couple years, and then Enterprise comes along, and and it instead of lasting the seven years, it lasts only the four. And and a lot of people talk about it was market saturation there was just too much track out there and and they ain't seen anything now you know like yeah. there's so much and and you know star wars and the different series and the movies and they backed off a little bit and you know there was a point when i thought oh three marvel movies and a star wars movie every year that's that's a lot and now it's like five marvel movies plus sony movies and it's just crazy yeah there's a lot going yeah. on so if we never get another Moon Knight season, I'll be okay with it because this was satisfying. That said, I would love to see more. Yeah, I I, 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 I certainly more. agree. Yeah. But Oscar Isaac, I mean, the guy is amazing. The guy is kind of busy, but the guy needs to come back. <laughs> it- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to- tonight when you said that you wanted to record tonight at – such and such a time and that we were going to be doing Moon Knight instead of uh, Doctor Strange. I, at that time, I was watching Dune, rewatching it. Mm. <laughs> and Oscar Isaac was uh, on screen and his hair was gray and he had a beard. And I realized I was jumping from one Oscar I- Isaac project to another. And I was very happy. <laughs> He's a great actor. And I've I've said it before, but Annihilation, he's in that. It's a small part, but a great movie. 
And he is Apocalypse in X-Men Apocalypse yeah. or Age of... I can't remember what they call that movie. <laughs> but Is it just X-Men Apocalypse? Hold on. I think so, but I might be wrong. And you know what? Yep, X-Men Apocalypse. We're not... Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's it for this episode then. I want to thank everyone for listening. And I turn it over to you, Samantha, for uh, your final word. I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Jeffrey, Tazzle, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, Julie, Dave, and Andrew. Thank you all so very much. And I just want to say to everyone, thank you so much for listening. Whether you're part of the podcast as a Patreon patron or whether you're part of the podcast as a listener or whether you send us feedback, which please do, please send us your thoughts about Moon Knight. We'd like to hear from you. And uh, in one of our upcoming episodes, we can do Moon Knight feedback. But with all that said, thank you so much. And there's really only one way that we can close down this Moon Knight episode. And that's by saying to one and all, laters, gators. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us, now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us voicemail by calling one 5 level 7 That's one 553 8357 Or send us an email to Avery at gmail.com. You can also go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback and leave us a message there or join us on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7. The 7 is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven, the seven is spelled out, and become a Patreon supporter there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and Godspeed. So let's talk about quickly Marvel phase Four upcoming movies and shows. There's still some things that have some release dates and they did change a couple release dates for uh, Ms. Not Ms. Marvel, the Marvels and Ant-Man and the Wasp. I think that they switched places. Is that right? Yes. Yes. So the Marvels was going to be earlier, but now it's not. Now it's going to be in July of 2023. So here's what's upcoming. We have dates for these things. Ms. Marvel, the Disney Plus series, June 8th, 2022, this year. I'm looking forward to that. While Ms. Marvel is still playing, assuming it has six episodes like most Marvel shows do, Thor Love and Thunder, July 8th, 2022. The next thing we have a date for is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, November 11th, 2022. My son's birthday. Sweet. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, February 17th, 2023. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, May 5th, 2023. And The Marvels, July 28th, 2023. So a year after Ms. Marvel. 
Uh, beyond that, then things that don't have dates. One thing that we don't have a date for, but that we kind of know when it's coming, is uh, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, Christmas 2022. The reason I say December 2022 for that is because they're filming it concurrently with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and it actually leads into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. In fact, James Gunn tweeted about it. He said, we finished shooting the holiday special this week. We finished shooting volume three in about a week. So. Nice. Okay. There's that. What, uh, what else do we have? Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. That has a date. It does, but that's not an MCU thing. That's the only reason I didn't include that. Uh, Although, okay. who knows? They may bring in Tom Holland and it becomes an MCU thing, but. Um, Across the Spider-Verse, and uh, I can't talk about stuff until next episode. So, She-Hulk is supposed to be this year, but we don't have a date for it. Um, we also have Blade. There's no date for Blade, but there's it's possibly in October of 2022, but that doesn't make sense because they actually have given us movies with dates well, secret invasion is a series that's coming we don't know when that's going to be is blade There's Ironheart and armor wars is blade mcu or is it sony it's mcu okay it's I, mcu I kept yeah thinking they, it was got, sony um i don't think that that one was sony or the no that one the rights reverted with ghost rider oh okay uh, so we have Ironheart and Armor Wars that both have to do with Iron Man's side of the, the uh, MCU. There's the Agatha Harkness thing, the House of Harkness. There's an Echo series that has been uh, announced. There's What If Season 2, which I believe that they're done uh, with with Season 2. I'm not sure when that's happening. Uh, Spider-Man Freshman Year, which actually is MCU but animated. Don't know when that's happening. We don't know when the Fantastic Four movie is happening or if it'll be a Disney Plus thing, but that was teased by Marvel Studios. Uh, Captain America 4, we don't know when that's happening. So there's a lot of stuff that we just don't have dates for, but what we do know as far as like actual dates and release times were the ones that I read earlier, which were Ms. Marvel, June 8th, Thor, Love and Thunder, July 8th, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, November 11th, Ant-Man and the Wasp, February 17th, 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy, May 5th, 2023, and The Marvels, July 28th, 2023. And there's also the Werewolf by Night thing that has not officially been announced, but has been talked about in some official ways. And may include Man-Thing. I can't talk about stuff but until the next episode. It's just a rumor. Yeah. So, so okay. Yeah, there are things I want to talk about in the next episode. So thanks for hanging out, <laughs> Samantha. And everyone else who's with us still, thank you for hanging out. And until next time, Godspeed. Maybe. I don't know. All I know is there's a lot of talk about the train that's coming. <laughs> So that's it for this episode. Then I want to thank everyone for listening and I turn it over to you, Samantha, for uh, your final word.
I don't have that list on this computer. I got a new computer, oh. guys. <laughs> and that's to say, to one and all, laters, gators. <sighs> the music isn't working. And that's to say, <laughs> to one and all, laters, gators. And there's really only one way that we can close down this Moon Knight episode. And that's by saying to one and all, laters, gators. I don't hear it. And I know we already did this two episodes ago or three episodes ago, but he said it in this episode. So, <clears throat> And that's to say there's, there's really only one way to close down this episode about Moon Knight. And that's to say laters, gators. It's still not doing it. One more try. Okay. And there's really only one way for us to close down this episode about Moon Knight, which may be the final Moon Knight <laughs> episode. And that's to say, laters, gators. All right. You're <laughs> not happening. Should I just uh, make these outtakes <laughs> after credit? Yeah, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. We could possibly do that. We haven't done that much, but we have done that before. Yeah. So, uh...